So, uh, probably a new face to many of us here. Um, so, just going to ask her a few questions just to get a bit of introduction and things to learn a bit more about sure. her. So, uh, Tamara, could you just please tell us a bit about yourself and what you usually do to keep yourself busy and what kind of ministries you're involved in? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, I am a mum of two awesome girls, one of whom's here with me today. And I spend my week being a mum a wife of the best husband in the world, and I also help my husband in ministry at University of Adelaide. Uh, so he's involved on campus with a group called ES and Focus. Focus is specifically focused on international students, uh, and that's where he spends most of his time. Uh, actually, there's 2,000 uni students meeting together at the moment in Canberra, and that's where he is today, speaking at the same time that I am today to uh, quite a few international students. Uh, I'm also employed by the University of Adelaide to work with international students. So it's kind of a cool thing that God has at the moment, ministry and employment, but both based at the same uni. So that's what I do awesome. during the week. Yeah. Awesome. Bit of a power couple for God. Yeah. I like it. Very nice. Um, and um, uh, we heard this just earlier, but you actually have a kind of connection to our church dating back a few years back. So can you tell us a bit about that? I do. I don't want to give my age away, but um, quite a long time ago, you know, the once upon a time, um, before some of you were maybe born, I uh, was involved with this church, actually helping the church to prepare a team to go overseas and serve God. And so I worked with a group of young people, they were young back then, I'm sure they're more like my age now, uh, and we uh, worked together with training and preparation to send you overseas to share the good news of Jesus overseas. Uh, and I've had connections with people from this church for many years through a Bible college that's no longer even in existence, but people who were connected to that college. And then in more recent years, probably the last decade or so, um, Rachel and Clifford, uh, and through the ministry of BSF, Bible Study Fellowship, which this church uh, used to host a group, a Bible Study Fellowship group, and I used to oversee that ministry for many years. So connections there as well. Awesome. Yeah. Amazing. Just classic Adelaide, yes. isn't it? Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we very much look forward to hearing from you. Very I'll good. hand it over. Thanks. Uh, it's fun to be back. And what's even better was I had the opportunity to dig deep into God's Word and I thought I knew this passage we read out quite well. I thought, oh yeah, it's a Christmas story. We know all these things. When I started digging deep, I went, oh no, where have I been through all the sermons, including my husband's um, in this? So, you know, what the great thing is, every time you open God's word, he speaks to you through it in a new way, but his word is unchanging, but you're at a different place. Okay, so today, even if you think you know this passage well, can I can encourage you or challenge you not to switch off, but actually follow along in the Bible to see what God's got for you, what gem has he got for you, and what, as a result of me being here today, has God got you for just the next thing he wants you to do? Because otherwise you'll hear all these things, oh, I should, and I could, and I would, and I want to, and nothing changes. You leave out of here with no change, okay? God is in the process of sanctifying us, making us holy, changing us and growing us. So what, as a result of today, does he want you to do when you walk out of here or in here? And maybe it is to meet Jesus for the first time. So let's pray because we need God's help to get into this passage of his word. Father, we do need you. This is your word. It's living. It's true. 
It's active. And you say that every word of yours is useful for us. So God, may you penetrate our hearts, my heart, as we hear from you today. Lord, I'm just the vessel, so please remove any rubbish that's just not yours. Uh, Just fill me with the words that are true, and would you open each of our hearts and our minds and our sleepy, tired bodies so that we would hear from you and help us to know what is just the next thing that you would have us do, but help us to be as well in you. For anyone here who is not part of your family or not sure if they are, God, may this day, may this morning, may your word really show them the way, the truth, and the life is only found with great hope, sure hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and in relationship with him. In his name we pray. Amen. Can I encourage you to find a Bible on your phone? Try not to be distracted to look at the messages that come through or swap over to social media. But if you brought a Bible, it's kind of unusual these days. I think in COVID, we kind of stopped doing the Bible thing. But I say bring it back. Bring back the paper Bible. Uh, The other good thing with a paper Bible, as you heard, work at uni, it's great when I open the Bible and students are walking past going, what are you reading? That's some kind of textbook. Uh, So it's really good for people to see you not on your phone, but actually reading a Bible for conversation and pointing people to Jesus. So I'm coming back next week. Uh, Sorry if you don't like today. I'm back next week. Uh, So can I encourage you, here's a challenge, to bring your Bibles next week, paper Bibles, or ask the church. I'm sure they've got some. But for today, if you don't have a paper one, find on your phone uh, Luke chapter 2, because I want to look at the verses as we go through together so you can be confident it's God's word, not mine. Uh, What have you been hoping for? I work at uni. A lot of the students are hoping for a pass and the exams that just results just came out this end of this week. You might be hoping that you don't have to sit summer school subjects. Uh, Maybe you're hoping for a great Christmas present because last year wasn't quite what you wanted. This year you're hopeful that Christmas present. Maybe you're hoping you'll just be able to find rental accommodation, which is so difficult in this city right now. Or hoping that you'll find a job. We have a lot of hopes, but a lot of our hopes are really wishful things. We wish for, we really hope for. Uh, They're not sure, they're not certain, but we're hopeful that it might have a good outcome. I hoped for this year an advent calendar. I give them to my children. I've been hinting for about 12 years to my husband that I'd really hoping for an advent calendar. And as he left for Canberra this year, finally he left me an advent calendar. And it was Haig's. If you know Haig's chocolate, it's like a good advent calendar. So made up for the last 11 years. Um, But you know, I was holding out hope that one day, and it came, it happened. I got the advent calendar. Uh, Advent is not a common concept in our world, perhaps but it's being reclaimed by the church. Uh, This word, Advent, means coming. Uh, And it really brings about hope that we're going to talk about today. Not the wishful thinking kind of hope, like my other daughter who's not here today, long Christmas wish list full of all her hopes. Uh, This is sure hope that we're going to hear about today. And sure hope is found in Jesus Christ And in this Advent season, which actually starts today and goes to uh, Christmas Eve, so it's like the four Sundays, 
And each of those Sundays is meant to be an opportunity for Christians to reflect again on Jesus' coming and his coming again. We often look at Christmas time about Jesus coming, but we kind of forget about the fact that we actually are all still waiting with sure hope of his return. So we're going to look at both of those today. So open up, if you haven't already, to, or in your phone, uh, chapter 2 of Luke. And we're going to read, uh, you've heard it, I know, but if you're like me, sort of in one ear and out the other sometimes, so we're going to keep, keep reading and keep in the text. Uh, so from verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Uh, Okay, so I'm like, yeah, got this. I know about Simeon. He's devout. He's righteous. It's like he's faithful. He's upright. He's a dedicated kind of guy. Uh, He's a good guy to be around. You know, as I was looking at this, I thought, I wonder what words people would write about me about you. What words would they choose? This is in the Bible for all time to describe this guy Simeon, righteous and devout. And we see here he's from Jerusalem. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool. Then I went, actually, what's the consolation of Israel? I don't know about you, but I had to dig a bit deeper to look into what is the consolation of Israel. Now, if you know anything about the history of Israel, and you can read about that in history books, but also right in God's Word, uh, right throughout the Old Testament, Israel had been in a lot of strife because of their own sin. They would follow God with all their heart. Yes, God, we surrender to you. And then next day, oh, sorry, God. Actually, God, God who? And go about life their own way. (laughs) Nothing familiar in that, right? Uh, I know for me, that is familiar, taking on, sold out for Jesus, and the next day, oh, I'm kind of following my own path back to God. And the great thing is God always welcomes us back. There's the sure hope that you go to him, he's welcoming you back. Uh, So Israel had a lot of challenge. They were in exile. They were slaves uh, for a good part of their history as well. So they've also had it tough, not because of their own sin, but because of the sin of others. So it has been a really difficult journey for the Israelites. And what they're in need of is consolation. What's this word? We don't use it a lot. Uh, When I work with international students, I often uh, say, okay, any words or phrases you don't understand? And then let's come up with some other words that are easier in our English language. And I think the concept to console, if you've been sad, we've all been sad, right? Someone comes alongside you and just sits there with you, maybe puts their arm around you, maybe prays for you, says some wise words to you, They're consoling you in your sadness and grief. So they're consoling. So Israel needs someone to come and console them and help them in this grief because of their own sin and because of the sin of others on them. Now they have been promised someone was coming to bring that consolation. Someone would come. And this someone is the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. But they have been waiting 
They've been hopeful. But for some of them, it's been a bit more of a wish kind of hope, but not for Simeon. Simeon saw the true hope, the sure hope. He felt it. He saw it. He believed God's word in scriptures. He believed what was passed down to him. And he was doing something about this. He was living in this sure hope and waiting. So here he is. We see the Holy Spirit was on him. We talk about the person of the Holy Spirit living in us. If you're a Christian, God puts his spirit in you. And he doesn't escape every day. You can be filled each day, but he's in you. This is great. In you every day uh, as a Christian. But for Simeon, at this point, Holy Spirit is on him, guiding him. And he knows this because we see in his actions how he knows this. So let's see what happens next in verse 26. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. So Simeon, they say, probably was hanging out in the temple courts, the area around this temple. The temple is famous People would come and do tours of the temple even back all this time ago. Uh, and I would imagine as people were doing tours, they'd see this guy, Simeon, wandering around and they'd say, Oi, what's that guy doing? The old guy. I saw, thought I saw him last time we did a tour, last year when we came with the family. He's still here. What's he up to? Why don't you go ask him? Hey, what you doing? Um, I'm waiting. I thought that's what you said last year. You're waiting. Yes, I'm waiting. With sure hope, Simeon continued to wait. Wait for the consolation of Israel. He didn't wait and do nothing, though. He was waiting actively. He could have waited at home. But he was waiting every day actively uh, in the temple courts, waiting for the promise that he believed in, the promised Messiah. And he knew with what he understood to be true, the truth that only this Messiah could provide forgiveness for Israel's sin. We see the Holy Spirit on him. We see the Holy Spirit revealing to him. We're starting to see a picture here of the Holy Spirit and in Simeon's response to the Holy Spirit. I wonder whether you respond to the Holy Spirit's prompting like Simeon. We know what's true. We have God's word. We have the whole Bible translated into so many languages. We can be grateful it's been translated into English, into different languages that you may have learned as a child as well, so that we can get to know God through his Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit gives us understanding when you read his word as he is today. I wonder, though, whether you are expecting, as we come into this season of Advent, of Christmas, are you expecting, are you waiting for Jesus' return, or are you just focused on, oh, yeah, he came, he came, and now I've got really busy, I've got all these events for Christmas, I've got all these drinks events and after-work parties and Christmas Day, oh, Christmas Day, how will I do Christmas Day? Is that what you're thinking? Or are you expectant, like Simeon, and actively waiting and being for Jesus' return. 
for him to come back. Let's see how this story unfolds. But it's a challenge for me, I found. Am I waiting? Because I kind of looked at this first and thought, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus has come. Good. I'm sort of moved on. What does it mean to me that Jesus has come as the saviour of the world? We sang about it over and over this morning already. Does it penetrate us deeply to be actively waiting for his return? And being active, I mean letting others know who this Jesus is. Well, for Simeon at this point, his time of waiting is over. As he's in the temple courts, the parents, who are the parents? Well, we see in a few verses earlier, this is Mary and Joseph. They're coming in. They're coming in with the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Now, the custom of the law required uh, Jesus to be circumcised. This was back in verse 21, if you just go back. When he's eight days old, he was to be circumcised. So that has already happened. Uh, But according to Jewish law, a woman becomes unclean after the birth of her child. Then on the eighth day, the baby needs to be, baby boy, to circumcised. And then from that time, the mother is unclean for another 33 days. This is Jewish uh, laws. At the conclusion of this time, the mother needs to offer a sacrifice at the temple to be made clean. Aren't you glad we're this side of Jesus? <laughs> to have to go through this. I've given birth twice. <laughs> Very grateful. So Jesus was to fulfill the law and his parents were doing the same. Uh, So in verse 21, Jesus is circumcised, and you might think, or you might not have thought yet, but good to think, why did he need to be circumcised if he is perfect? But Jesus has come to fulfill the law, okay, fulfillment of the law. So he did follow the law, his parents also knew to do this, and then here they are coming in ready for Mary to be made clean, made right with God if you like through that. Uh, This whole process, uh, we no longer have to do, praise God, Uh, but it's like the cutting away of sin, being made right with God, being cleansed, and now our hearts have been cleansed, if you are a Christian. God has done that through Jesus' death, and we have been made right with him, and we can sing hallelujah, what a saviour for saving us. And Philippians 3.3, so you know it's God's word, not mine, says, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and we no longer put confidence in the flesh. Right? So we don't need to do anything now. It is what God has done for us. So here we are, this very first Christmas. Hey, you might not have thought of that yet. Very first Christmas. Okay, Simeon is here at the temple courts at just the right time because the Holy Spirit prompted him. And Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to be consecrated as the law requires and for Mary to be made clean and bring her offering for that to happen. And here Simeon recognizes Jesus. I thought that was cool. There would be babies coming in, okay? A lot, a lot of women coming in to the temple courts, babies coming in. He singles him out. He recognizes him because he's been waiting. And he knows who he's been waiting for. I found that quite extraordinary. 
After all those years, centuries of waiting, everyone questioning Simeon as to whether it's worth waiting for, the time has come, and Simeon holds the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, his Saviour, in his arms. In verse 29, says, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. I think I'd be going, hey, is this really the one? Like, let me just check. Uh, Mary Joseph, like, is this, is this right? Have I got this right? No, he's confident. And he just praises God. And how does he praise God? Sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord. This word sovereign, we, we use a bit in church, but not so much in the world. This is a great word to reclaim. Sovereignty. Okay. Over all, powerful, purposeful, sovereign Lord. That word sovereignty will really help you if you fail your exam. <laughs> or if you don't get a rental, if you miss out on the job, that relationship breaks down, hang on to the fact that God is sovereign and there's sure hope in him. He goes on to say, as you have promised... So he recognizes God as a promise-keeping God. What promises has this God kept? Well, in Genesis, Lord said to Abraham, I'll make your name great, and through you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Okay, now back then, it's like, what? Remember, if you know the story, they couldn't even have kids, and then he tried to have kids on his own to make the you know, uh, promise come true. Not that we do that, right? But here he is trying to make it, this all happen back then in Genesis. You can see it was this big disaster by God and his sovereignty with sure hope. And then God tells Moses that one day a great prophet would come who would be unlike any other prophet. Then God promises David a son who would reign on his throne forever and ever and ever. And then God spoke through Isaiah and promised that a son would be born of a virgin and that his name would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Mary and Joseph did name their son Jesus. God saves, Emmanuel, God with us. And in Isaiah 40, promised comfort to his people. Comfort, comfort is coming. Remember the consolation? It's the concept of comforting. So now he has come. This has been fulfilled, and Simeon recognizes God as a promise-keeping God. Simeon is in awe of God and continues with his song, what's known as his song. He says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. My eyes, Simeon's eyes, have seen your salvation. He doesn't say, and I've seen Jesus. He says, I've seen your salvation. He's recognizing that this baby is the Messiah who is bringing salvation. But did you notice, not just to the Jews... Now, we know that. We're sitting here today. I'd say most of us, if not all, are Gentiles. Uh, he recognises at that point that God wants to save and offers salvation 
through this baby to all people. This is revolutionary at that time. A lot of Jews had given up. (laughs) Many Jews were still waiting, even after Jesus' birth. And I've been to Israel a couple of years ago and to the Western Wall, often known as the Wailing Wall, Jews standing there, prayer after prayer after prayer that the Messiah would come. The Messiah has come and they haven't recognized him. Have you recognized him? Do you recognize Jesus as the one who's come to save you, to save me? And are you sharing that truth with others or is it just something you're keeping to yourself? Well, here we see him recognizing him as the savior for all cultures, for all countries, for all people groups, a light for revelation and all glory, he says, to your people Israel. This is one of the greatest New Testament songs, celebrating God's salvation. And it ends with Simeon saying, now dismiss me. In verse 29, now dismiss means Please allow me now to die. Now, this is not like a euthanasia debate, all right? I'm done now, you know, uh, and my right to die and take my own life at all. So just camp that. This is this sense of I have been waiting and watching and am ready, and the time has come. And here it is. Here is salvation for all people. You can take me home now. (laughs) So he's ready with great joy in his heart. There's a difference, a real difference in him uh, here at this point. Uh, I think he's saying, you know, as I see him, I've looked into the face of my saviour. I don't have to stick around to watch him grow or do the miracles that he might do. I don't have to even see that horrific death on the cross because I am confident that he is the one to bring salvation for all people. I don't need to see it. I don't need to have it proven to me that many of us do like proof. I work with university students. They all want proof. Uh, and, and proof God gives us. But Simeon has faith and he has sure hope. It's a beautiful picture in this song here of him waiting in hope, seeing God's salvation. So I wonder if we can realize and recognize the King, that the Lord Jesus Christ did come to save, to save you, to save your friend, your friend who's difficult to talk about things of faith with. He's come to save them. He's come to save your family member. He's come to save that colleague of yours. Only he can save. He's conquered death because he's alive and one day he's coming back. Are you ready? Well, Mary and Joseph appear to be acknowledging who he is, who their son is. I think it would have been rather tough for them. They're going through all this 
uh, ceremonial law and uh, being cleansed and following through with circumcision for their son, but they understand him to be the savior of the world and the confusion must be real (laughs) at this point, I'm sure. And yet God knows just what they need to hear. I think God's very personal to them. And they say here in verse 33, God says, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then in verse 34, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, the child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now, apparently this is meant to be an encouragement. I'm not sure at this point when I hear that last bit about your soul and your heart's going to be pierced. Not sure as a mother I would find that encouraging. Um, But they start before then of marveling at what was said about him. We don't really hear what they now think about what was said. Uh, I think I would find that rather overwhelming and confronting. But she did have an angel come and tell her what was going to happen. That would have been huge, right? So I guess she's kind of used to these big things happening to her. Uh, And so now Simeon is saying these words of truth to her. Uh, I think this would be rather tough. But as we hear these words about who he is, don't we see this true today? the child destined to cause falling and rising of many. We've risen. If you follow Jesus, you've risen, and one day you'll be risen with him. As a child, I did not grow up in a Christian home, and as a child, I asked to go to church. So my parents dropped me off at the local church, didn't even come in. Back then it was safe, you know. Don't think you'd do that now, but dropped me off. And I heard that Jesus was coming back I think I understood that before I understood what he did on the cross. So from a child, I would look up at the clouds and wonder if he was coming back to get me. And the Bible talks about in the clouds and the trumpet will sound, coming back. He's coming back. And to this day, I still look every day and wonder, will he come back when it's a complete blue sky and there's no clouds? I guess he's got that all figured out because it says we don't know when. So it could be today, blue sky day. But I do try and search for that cloud that he'll come back on. Then I figure the other side of the world, maybe they're cloudy. And so he'll come back on that cloud. Uh, But I think what you want to take from this is he is coming back. And this is the great hope we have. Okay, the sure hope. He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. And we want people to know who the Lord Jesus Christ is before that day because on that day will be the last day we also don't know when our friends colleagues family will have their last day on earth we as christians have the great sure hope of the resurrection that we will rise with him and live with him forever that is great hope we're passing through so when life gets Difficult, you're passing through. It's temporary. Hold on to his sovereignty. It's not going to last. Uni students think their life is over and after first year. Uh, you've got some more years to do, but it actually is passing. Hang on to that, that you are passing through and you have sure hope. God's got this because he's sovereign. 
and he's forgiven all your sin, so you keep stuffing up, you're forgiven. Go now, choose to live a holy life and live for him and share this hope with others around you. Well, we do see the rise and fall of people around us, but I think Simeon here is wanting to encourage the parents of this is who Jesus is, this is who your son is, and acknowledge before God that he knows whom he is holding in his arms at this point. He will be a sign that is spoken against. I'm at uni. There are literal signs speaking up against Jesus. Uh, It gets harder and harder every year in university ministry, and yet the fruit is growing greater and greater. So I'm noticing the harder it is to be a Christian, the more people come to Jesus. So hang on to his sovereignty in this time. A sword will pierce their heart. Well, we know that when Jesus dies on the cross, it's going to pierce the heart of Mary. He's packing a punch to them with his words here. But it's truth about who he is. The famous Christmas carol, Silent Night, says, The hopes and fears of all the years, of all of Israel's history, are met in thee tonight, in this moment, in that moment Our hope is found on nothing less than who Jesus is. So this Christmas, now at the start of Advent, will you reflect on his coming, his first coming, but on his, in the sure and certain hope of his second coming. And in that, what he offers is salvation. You can be saved and be with him forever. I've been convicted more and more at uni to be bold, and the worst that can happen is I'll lose my job. But if that means one more person can come into God's kingdom, it's worth it. So can I encourage you to join me in being bold with this message we have of hope? If he is sovereign, we can have sure hope that he will provide for our daily needs, even if we do lose our job because of our hope we have in Jesus. God's faithfulness in the Christmas story gives us hope in our own stories. You and I can look forward in hope, confidently anticipating his second coming and the fulfillment of his promise to dwell with us forever in the person of the Holy Spirit. God may not give you everything on your wish list, but we can be sure he will fulfill all the promises he has made because great is his faithfulness. And sure is the hope we have in him. So let me pray. Father God, thank you for Jesus, who is the consolation, the salvation for all people, who can be found in no one else. In you, Father, there is forgiveness, righteousness, joy, hope, and peace. And may we at this Advent time, this Christmas time, be more convinced than ever that we have a sure hope to share with others here in Adelaide. And God, that you would prompt us to be part of your kingdom work around the world so that everyone might hear your name. Please prompt us by your Holy Spirit to speak what is true, to be bold and not ashamed of the gospel and to live out what we say with our words so that your kingdom may grow while we wait for the return of the Lord Jesus. To God be all glory, honour, power and majesty forever and ever. Amen.